Warm up your diaper gravy. It's Film Shake, the 90s movies podcast. <laughs> How many times can we say diaper gravy in this episode? I want to count. The best part is I forgot that line was in the film. The film. The quote-unquote film. <laughs> the film we are discussing here and analyzing in much depth. Baby geniuses from 1999. I'm Jordan. And this is Nick. And this is episode 58. We've come this far, Nick, only to maybe reach our apex here. (laughs) The year of our Lord, 1999, Baby Geniuses. Is this our mini boss or the final boss? Hmm. (laughs) This this might be the final boss because it could possibly take us both out (laughs) and just stop doing this show forever. It's the greatest year in film in human history. But Baby Geniuses being released in it almost invalidates that statement. (laughs) This is very much true. We'll get into it. I was going to say about the diaper gravy. How could you forget that line was in the movie? Because they said it like 300 times. It was like their their dead horse that they're beating. (laughs) When you hear my philosophical breakdown of this film, maybe you'll understand. (laughs) Lord, do we have to go there too? Oh. Did it have to go there is the question you should be asking. Mm. I can't help what this film did. <laughs> this cinema. <laughs> this film. This piece of cinema. All right. Well, before we get into all that, we have a fallen warrior to take care of. And we normally would have done this at the end of the show because, yes, you did lose. And you were punished with Super Babies, Baby Geniuses 2. But tell us about your search for such movie and what you ended up watching. <laughs> this was a shock. A huge shock. Something I couldn't believe. Super Baby's Baby Geniuses 2 is generally considered to be one of the worst films of all time. When Baby Geniuses was released in 1999, it was considered to be a terrible film and maybe one of the worst ever. And somehow Super Babies is so much worse, apparently so much worse because I've never seen it, that people don't even talk about how bad Baby Genius is anymore, except us, for like the next hour to 90 minutes. <laughs> because We're the only ones. Right? This is the only place you can get this content. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Just putting that out there. Apparently, Super Babies is so bad that it makes the original Baby Geniuses look like Citizen Kane. It's supposed to be that bad. So you would think people would want to preserve that. That movie, right? I can't even call it a film. Uh, you would think people would want to remember can't even that. go there with the sequel. Yeah. That's a whole thing. Like, people wanting to enjoy things that are terrible. Like, The Room, Tommy Wiseau, like, made bank yeah. off of just that very concept. It's just, on one hand, you have a point. And then, on the other hand, I'm laughing that, like, we need to preserve this terrible piece of trash. <laughs> that our culture has come to that place yeah allegedly because you know we don't know what it is or you know how bad it truly is but yes uh culture has come to this place where you know somewhere in the library of congress i'm sure they have a copy of super babies for such preservation needs right is it an argument for or against our current society that if you want to watch super babies right now good luck because it's nowhere it's not streaming anywhere It's not on YouTube. It's not on certain other sources (laughs) that Jordan and I may use from time to time. It's nowhere. And we didn't have a physical copy around. The library doesn't have one. I checked there, too. Right. There's almost no way to watch this unless you can get your hands on a 
you you actually have to purchase it. You have to purchase a physical copy of Super Babies to watch it, which either fortunately or unfortunately, I did not have time to do in time for this recording. I was going to say, normally we would lament the inaccessibility of any film, but I don't know if, if we could say that in such a case after watching the first movie. Right. Maybe it's for the good of all mankind. The good of the universe. It may stretch beyond Earth. <laughs> the Lord reached down and he was like, no, it, it is not fit for this <laughs> thing to still exist. I'll leave the first baby genius says, but by God, do we need a sequel? And, uh, and I should say, too, for tr- our trivia later, the sequels might come into play here because you didn't do your homework like I wanted you to. I was originally going to punish you with the TV episodes of Baby Geniuses turned into the movies. It's like they made a TV series and then turned episodes of those movies into movies that were, I think, never released here. I was debating on punishing you with those films, if you could say such a thing. But you decided to go the Super Babies route, but that might be coming back to bite you. That's all I'm going to say. Oh, no. You're going to ask me a bunch of, as I like to say, dick questions again for trivia, aren't you, Jordan? Because it's the only way that you can take me down. There's surprisingly more dick jokes in this movie than I anticipated. But yeah, we'll, we'll see. So all that to say, our Fallen Warrior movie, this episode will not be Super Babies. However, things did work out because we got a new patron that I'm going to shout out right now, Maddie Ross, and she had a recommendation for us. She said, why don't you cover either Prehysteria or Prehysteria 3 as a punishment? And it just really worked out beautifully because Prehysteria is a kid's film, just like Baby Geniuses is supposed to be a kid's film. We'll get into that. <laughs> I, have que- I have questions about that, yeah. I'm not sure, like, what kind of child it's for, but... (laughs) (laughs) It's for baby geniuses. Right. So if you were looking forward to some Super Babies discussion, apologies. However, I will talk for a moment about 1993's Prehysteria. I've never seen Prehysteria until this past week. I vaguely remember, maybe it was playing at the dentist office once. Like, I have vague memories of this movie (laughs) existing, but I had never seen it. I mean, it came out direct to video the same summer that Jurassic Park came out, 1993, which I saw in the theater and was obsessed with. So I'm really only interested in at this point in dinosaurs eating people, not in people raising little cute baby dinosaurs. Now... (laughs) A few years before that, you know, like a lot of kids, especially like 80s kids and 90s kids, I was obsessed with dinosaurs. I knew what they all are. I still do, of course. So I probably would have been really into this if it had come out in, say, 1983 instead of 1993. So, yeah, never watched this before. Had you seen or heard of Prehysteria? When you showed me the cover, it definitely looked super familiar. I was like, oh, dude, I think I've seen this before. And I haven't watched it. I'd probably have to go and watch it and see if it maybe jogs some memories. But it definitely looks really familiar. Like this little 
dinosaur babies and the kid and the I guess he's does he have like a a bowl cut or like a nasty like home improvement little kid <laughs> cut <laughs> haircut. Yes, that's right. It's the same haircut that my sister had and that my wife had. For some reason, my mom and my mother-in-law both punished their daughters with this horrible haircut that Austin <laughs> O'Brien has, of course, from Last Action Hero, which, you know what? You might be hearing us talk about that oh, movie later okay. this year. Is he the kid in this movie? Okay. He's wow. the kid, yeah. Even that like makes me feel like I've seen this even more because I can picture his face from last action hero but like talking a little baby dinosaur so i'm definitely have to go track this down i did not watch it because in a rare occasion i was not punished with a, a fallen warrior review movie so i just used my sweet time making cassette tapes listening to punk rock <laughs> instead of watching terrible movies for once I shall remind our listeners that one of your questions from the last episode was literally, at what minute and second mark does the alligator make its appearance in this Hallmark Channel original film? Hey, and you know what? I feel like you still bombed that question on purpose. I'm just putting that out there. I feel like you instinctually knew the answer, and you are just like, oh, I'm going to guess wrong because I want to lose. So don't tell me it's not true. Uh, I did. I did. <laughs> That's awesome. I never truly win. You just always just baby me like a like a baby dumbass. <laughs> baby dumbass. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about that too. Yeah, it was clear to a few of our listeners that I bombed that on purpose. But you know what? I still I did technically miss it and lose. <laughs> all right. So tell us about prehistoria. I could sub this up pretty quickly. So first of all, Jordan, do you remember Austin O'Brien being obsessed with Elvis and impersonating Elvis throughout the entire film prehistoria? Does that sound familiar? I thought you were about to say in Last Action Hero, but maybe these two movies are just blending in my mind now. Uh, Is Prehysteria one of the movies in Last Action Hero? Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. You're just, you're taking me on a trip here, man. I don't know. <laughs> I, was so, I was on some bad acid when I watched both these movies back when I was 10. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, yeah, well, let me take you back way, way back to the prehistoric years of 1993 when this was released by Paramount Home Video. So Austin O'Brien plays Jerry Taylor, this kid obsessed with Elvis. Unfortunately, this is a very low budget straight to video affair, so they couldn't afford any Elvis songs, Jordan. And I oh, don't just man. mean like they couldn't afford the Elvis version of his songs. Like they couldn't mm -hmm. even afford like cover versions of his songs. The cover versions? Wow. So instead... Throughout the movie, and I'm not sure who, I couldn't find a ton of details on this, and I probably could have researched harder on Prehysteria, but I didn't. Uh, there's just, like, Elvis imitation music that seems like it was made specifically for the film, playing throughout the mm -hmm. film. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. Is it just, like, guys like, oh, 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 oh. Yes, it really? is. <laughs> is it that is. exactly what it is? That's exactly <laughs> what it is. <laughs> That's awesome. That's incredible. See, maybe I have seen this movie. <laughs> maybe I helped make this movie. Maybe I was <laughs> on the soundtrack. I don't know. <laughs> and it's also similar to Baby Geniuses in certain ways. For instance, the, the villain's plot is pretty unintelligible you're kind of wondering like what was he doing this for again what was his plan right. how what is even happening because you have these little cute baby dinosaurs that he steals from i think some aztecs maybe an egg form <laughs> and they point out like when he's stealing them it's like oh these eggs are kind of small i guess these little baby dinosaurs are just like dinosaurs that aren't going to grow they're just going to stay really cute and really animatronic 
for the purposes of the film. Right. So this guy steals these eggs from the Aztecs. And then this family, Austin O'Brien's family, I'm just going to call him. How about I just call him the last action hero kid? So the last action (laughs) hero kid, his mom has died and he lives with his dad, who's a raisin farmer and his sister on like this big ranch in the middle of rural California. And they go to sell some fossils to the fossil store where a supermodel works that is you just know is going to end up with his dad. Colleen Morris, that plays the employee that works at the fossil store. Basically, if you just Google, like, what does a 90s supermodel look like? It would just be a picture of her. That's what it looks like. But she's working at this fossil store <laughs> for some reason, being abused by her boss, Rico Sarno, who's played by Stephen Lee, who's just really amazing in this. Uh, he just sounds like he's ad-libbing the whole time. He's doing, like, stereotypical, angry, uh, rude 90s Italian man, which is pretty mm-hmm. incredible. <laughs> And he steals these eggs. He brings them back to the fossil store. Last Action Hero Kid's family accidentally steals them because his dog, he has this cute golden retriever, accidentally switches the lunch boxes that their picnic lunch was in and that the dinosaur eggs were in and brings them home. Wow, that sounds really familiar. Oh, okay. All right. Well, how about this? We're on to something here. Yeah. Keep going. A through line in this movie is that the dog, the golden retriever, the cute little golden retriever, she had puppies and they gave the puppies away and they're mad at the dad. Like, how could you give the puppies away? You know, they're dealing with the trauma of the mom dying and you hear a lot in this movie like, do you miss mom? But this dog misses its puppy. So whenever it sees these dinosaur eggs, it basically sits on them like a mama dinosaur (laughs) and hatches them. Right, because dogs sit on eggs and hatch them. (laughs) Right. And the dinosaurs are like the cutest little robot dinosaurs. They're not supposed to be robots. I mean, obviously, I'm assuming they used animatronics for these and they weren't real baby dinosaurs. (laughs) Come on, Nick. Where's your suspension of disbelief? (laughs) And they're named after like famous musicians. Like there's a Stegosaurus that's named Hammer, like MC Hammer. There's one named Madonna that flies. But, of course, what do you think the baby T-Rex is named, Jordan? Elvis? It's named Elvis. You got it, Jordan. Is that because you saw this before or because it could have been named nothing but Elvis? Maybe both, man, because this is sounding so, so familiar. Especially when you started talking about the Golden Retriever. I can just picture this dog playing with the dinosaurs and getting into wacky antics and barking at them and stuff. I think you saw this. (laughs) I think I did. I'm pretty sure I saw this movie. I believe you saw it. And and that's about it. The dinosaurs get into little, like, really low-stakes hijinks at their house. His sister, right. who's played by Samantha Mills, the two of them argue and fight a lot, but the dinosaurs kind of bring them together because the of little course. flying dinosaur kind of becomes like her dinosaur, and then the dad finds out. Uh, of course. Yes, and the dad's played by Brett Cullen, who's been in a ton of stuff that I've seen. When I saw him, I thought, like, this guy looks really familiar, and that's just because he's in, like everything he's in like every movie that i can think of i think that brett cullen is actually in <laughs> he was in titanic uh, i'm sure he was in titanic he was recently he was in, in slc punk oh i'm sure he was in slc punk he was probably like <laughs> minister on street or something i'm pretty sure he was right. in it he's thomas wayne and joker but then he's congressman byron gilly in the dark knight rises just to make it confusing he plays multiple people in batman's universe anyway the dad at first is like you can't have little dinosaurs but then 
he's like, well, I guess you can have little dinosaurs. They're pretty cute. <laughs> and then supermodel fossil store lady comes and becomes like <laughs> fossil their... store. There's a fossil store, <laughs> right? <laughs> of course. <laughs> And she becomes like their stepmom and everything is great. They have like a little greenhouse with baby dinosaurs and supermodel stepmom. Wouldn't the fossil store be kind of traumatic for the baby dinosaurs, though? They'd be like, here's all your dead parents and their bones. Well, Jordan, that's why this is a sweet little kids movie. They never see it because when they're there, they're in their eggs still. They don't hatch until they get to the, the farmstead. Phew, I'm I'm relieved. I'm much relieved. (laughs) Yes, you can rest easy tonight. But then Rico Sarno comes with his armed thugs and they assault the family of last action hero kid and they steal the (laughs) dinosaurs. But don't worry, Jordan. They get all the dinosaurs back. The end. Or is it? There's a sequel and this movie ends on a cliffhanger. So, Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, man. I'm definitely going to have to go and watch this now. And I feel like... Maybe I did end up getting punished anyway with watching our main review movie here and missed out on some sweet 90s nostalgia with Prehysteria. So I'm kind of bummed that you got to watch this and I didn't. And I just got to watch the terrible 1999 movie we're about to talk about. Right. Well, this movie, too, it's referred to by TV Guide on the Wikipedia entry. It's the only reception piece that they have here because i think this movie probably was pretty under the radar even though i think a lot of people probably can remember or have some kind of nostalgia for it where it just seems familiar they said it's the worst kind of kids film but i disagree (laughs) it's not good but it's like completely harmless it's just like a nice pleasant vibe that kind of washes over you even though like the editing is kind of clumsy and the acting's not that good and it's obviously very low budget and it has like you know a really cheap like synth keyboard soundtrack there's just still something about it even the fake elvis music just the way everyone (laughs) looks the kind of trapper keeper aesthetic like i i was fine with it i'll give it a five out of ten trapper keeper aesthetic i actually have a trapper keeper still from the 90s that has a brontosaurus busting through a movie theater screen into an audience and when you say Trapper Keeper aesthetic, that just warms my heart and makes me want to watch this all the more. And to those people who said this is the worst kind of kids movie, I dare say you just wait. You haven't seen Baby Geniuses yet. That's right. So I'm ready to move on. Why talk about a movie that's harmless when we can talk about one of the deadliest films of all time? 1999's Baby Geniuses. Baby wanna hold. Just your voice again, <laughs> using the deep growl for the title there. Love it. You know, listeners might be asking themselves, why are you guys even talking about Baby Geniuses from 99? We should say this was a patron request. Yes, believe it or not. Your brother, Charlie, actually requested this movie. Can you tell us, Nick, why and, you know, what his personal connection is with this film? Yes. So... Our good friend John, who we had on here for the Serial Mom slash Pecker episode, he has two younger siblings that are a good deal younger than him. Charlie went on a beach trip with his family, 
And it rained the entire time, and they got stuck inside the entire time with only one movie, a movie that (laughs) John's younger siblings wanted to watch over and over again, and that movie was Baby Geniuses. So I don't know how many times my brother had to watch this, but it traumatized him. He got home (laughs) from this trip, and he could barely talk, and the only words that he could say were, Baby Geniuses, Baby (laughs) Geniuses. It was horrific. So... I was kind of surprised that he requested it first, but now I think he's just trying to deal with his trauma that he suffered, you know, over 20 years ago. He needs us to help him sort it out. And I think that's why he requested it. It's kind of like facing your fear where, you know, you have to go and like stare down your enemy to really overcome that past trauma. (laughs) So I'm guessing did he watch this as well. Do you have anything to report from his experience now with it? I don't know if he's going to watch it again. It it hurt him so badly. It hurt Damn him it. in so many ways. If he's requesting it and not watching it, that's just uh, that's just wrong. Um, like, we didn't give you this ability, patrons, to pick movies just so you can punish us with them and not watch them yourself. So I think we should make that a rule going forward. You request a movie. Damn it. You better be watching it, too. <laughs> Especially if it's this terrible. (laughs) (laughs) You might watch it. Who knows? Who knows? He's got two kids of his own. I don't think he would want to subject them to this, but maybe one night when he can't sleep, you know, 2 or 3 (laughs) a.m. when no one's around, he'll pop Baby Geniuses on. He could use it as a punishment movie, like, all right, you were bad today, little Bobby. Go in the corner and watch Baby Geniuses for an hour and a half. (laughs) (laughs) No, Daddy, don't make me do it again. Don't make me Baby Geniuses. No. You hush up or I'm going to buy Super Babies off of eBay. (laughs) No, Daddy, I'll do anything you say. (laughs) I feel like you're projecting a little and you want to punish your children with this film. (laughs) No, not at all. Not at all. (laughs) Told the story briefly before and I'll just briefly say it again. I had never seen this movie, but I was very much aware of it. I had an interesting connection with it in that... I got the poster from Major Video when I was in middle school, had it up, I think, on the back of my door in my bedroom at my mom's house, and we made a skit. I think, well, I want to say we covered up geniuses with some pieces of paper where we wrote dumbasses, <laughs> filmed that, and then you know, cut away from us filming the poster of Baby Dumbasses. That's like our title screen with the skit that we made to one of us, me or Sean or Tyler's, one of my friends in a giant diaper, much like the giant baby (laughs) (laughs) that appears in this movie, walking around just being dumb and like knocking stuff over and being like, baby dumbasses, baby dumbasses, and saying baby dumbasses like really uh, stupidly over and over again. So yeah, that's that's my connection with this movie. I could see that. I could see that. I'm also happy that you did that before we met. <laughs> Can you imagine <laughs> that being our first interaction together? Hey, hey you want to watch this new movie I made, Baby Dumbasses? <laughs> that was on the uh, the video cassettes uh, of this. And this was before really uh, Jackass came out. I remember being so mad when I first discovered Jackass on MTV because we were making home videos and uh, we were calling them crap. Crap was the name of like this running series of just like stupid skits and stunts and blowing stuff up that I was filming with my friends in my neighborhood. 
And I remember just being so disappointed that someone had stolen her idea of being a bunch of jackasses running around doing stupid shit. <laughs> they took it from us. They took our ideas. <laughs> yeah. Of course, they were much older and had, you know, access to like cars and money and, and things that we didn't have. So it's like, oh, we can't compete anyway. Right. So we, we, we hung it up. We that ended our career oh, right there. Man. Well, Baby Geniuses was directed by it hurts to say this. It was directed by Bob Clark. It does hurt to say that. What happened, Bob Clark? I didn't even realize until researching for this. Bob Clark is a native Louisianian. He was born oh. in New Orleans in 1939. He's from here or he was. He, he has perished. Yeah, I did not realize that. Yeah. So he directed, amongst many things, Black Christmas, the original Christmas story, but he also directed Porky's, Porky's, and then Baby Geniuses, and then the sequel. And I, I believe that when this movie was released, it won many what like Stinker Awards and Razzie Awards. But he, I believe he won the award for Oh God, don't let them direct anything else again for this movie. It's such a shame because he did so much good work before this, and it's like. Why'd you make this movie? What led you to this moment, Bob Clark? And we could really ask that about everybody involved in this movie, because if you look at the cast, it's pretty stellar cast. I mean, we've got Kathleen Turner. We talked about her and watched her in Serial Mom. And you've got Christopher Lloyd, who, to me, I've always respected and loved and think he's a great comedian. Turner and Lloyd were in uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit together, so you have kind of a little connection there. Then you've got Dom DeLuise, who I love, and one like redeeming qualities of this movie is just hearing that man's voice because he voice acted so many great cartoons. So just like even just like seeing him in the flesh is almost kind of weird, right? Because he did the voice of uh, Itchy Itchiford from All Dogs Go to Heaven. And Tiger from you know, American Tale, the Fible movies, Oliver and Company, so many great like animated films. He's that for you. For me, he is Dom DeLuise in the flesh. He was in so many movies I loved when I was a child. He's in The Second Smokey and the Bandit. He's in Cannonball Run. He's in Cannonball right. Run 2. A lot yeah. of car chase movies with Burt Reynolds that I had taped off <laughs> yeah. of television when I was a little kid. And I just always assumed this guy was like some large New Orleans chef when I was a little kid. That's what he looked like. <laughs> he does look like that. He's from Brooklyn. Man, I just, yeah, I, I love this man's voice. And when I heard it, I was like, oh, oh, I recognize this. I recognize this. And then, yeah, looking into his filmography, it's like, oh, man, so many classics. And then to end up in Baby Geniuses. <laughs> It's just this whole episode is just gonna be the lamenting of why was this movie made? Why were you in this movie? <laughs> well, what about this? What if your Wikipedia entry described you as an actress, poet, playwright, screenwriter, journalist, and civil rights activist? Because then you'd be Ruby D, Ruby an D. American treasure, <laughs> right? An alleged who was in alleged. Baby Geniuses as a housekeeper. I just feel like everybody owed somebody a favor like you know the studio had blackmail on all these people i was just like well, and then you've got peter uh mcnichol yeah from ally mcbeal and a lot of other stuff ally mcbeal i recognize him because i saw the first movie he was ever in uh i guess a year or two back dragon slayer 
which I thought, you know, he was really great in. And I, I love that. Right. He was Galen. Throwback. Yeah. Yeah. He was like the main guy. Really liked seeing him here other than the fact that this is a terrible movie. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's just everybody here is like I really respect and and like their work. Talking about the cast, I definitely had a 90s flashback. We're talking about with Prehysteria, like trying to remember if I'd seen that movie. When we meet the character named Ice Pick, who's played by Kyle Howard. Did you recognize Kyle Howard from anything? Are you familiar with him at all? He looks so familiar to me. And when I looked at his filmography, for me, he's in like 7,000 sitcoms he's in like every sitcom that ever aired and i think i just recognize him from popping up in those but is there something else that i should recognize him more from well i don't know about for you but for me i had the same thought i was like okay it was he in home improvement yeah but he was only only in like an episode of home improvement yeah okay he's been in a million sitcoms but the two things that really stood out to me in his history well, the main one was The Paper Brigade. This was a TV movie. I don't know if it was made by Disney. I feel like I must have caught it on the Disney channel, or maybe I just came across it in the video store. But he's the star of this like early 90s, just little low-budget TV movie where you know he's like the new kid in town. He's from New York, but he's in a small town. And... These like cool kids want to give him tickets to this concert and he's like crushing on the hot girl, but he needs to make some money. So he has to like join up with all these nerds and do a paper route. But they end up like fighting the bullies in the neighborhood and at school. And he has to like they create all like these booby traps and there's like the tree house and, you know, all these like cool, like, you know, wacky like inventions and stuff. That's how I remember it in my mind, at least. And uh, it just has that very like early nineties flavor to it. Like even watching the trailer, it, it almost sounds like honey. I shrunk the kids part two or something that would have been the other honey. I shrunk the kids movies, but you know what I mean? That kind of just like whimsical, like goofy light on his feet music. And he's definitely got the bowl cut the uh the nasty haircut that we were talking about the home improvement cut i just remember loving this movie when i was a kid and watching it over and over and over again and i was like where is that guy from it's like oh yeah the paper brigade so that brought me back and i was like oh i've got to watch that again at some point i've never heard of the paper brigade yeah i don't i don't feel like many people did like uh, i remember yeah just kind of stumbling upon it somehow you know, none of my friends knew what it was or like had seen it. It's just like one of those things that was special to me and maybe a few others. How about this phrase, though? Does this ring any bells? Think innocent. Think helpless. Think again. That's the tagline for Baby Geniuses. It was <laughs> right? on that poster in my room. <laughs> oh, Baby Geniuses. Look, this movie sucks. Um, Everyone knows that it sucks. What, 2.5 out of 10? 2.5 out of 10, Nick, on IMDb. Charlie, you knew what you were doing. Maybe there's something deeper here we we need to look at. Maybe there's something deeper that we don't understand. I mean, obviously, we're not going to go plot by plot on baby geniuses. We're not. Or maybe we are. Do you want to go plot by plot? No, dear Lord. 
I don't even know if I could. Do you think you could sum up what the basic story of this is? Pretend I'm holding mm. a gun to your head, and that gun <laughs> okay. fires a bullet that just <laughs> fires celluloid from baby geniuses into your eyes to where you have to just constantly watch it for the rest of your life. Right. So I either sum up this movie or I have to constantly watch it for the rest of my life as penance for not knowing the movie. So we have Peter McNichol and Kim Cattrall. We didn't mention her. She's in this. Oh, I was about to talk about her a little bit later. Oh, yeah, talk about her. Yeah, uh, I don't know exactly what they're doing, but they have a house filled with children. They're doing some sort of research, you know, and they're this whole movie, as dumb and as stupid as the execution is, I will say that the premise is at least unique, if not complicated and complexing to some degrees where I'm like, I don't think I've ever seen a movie like baby geniuses. I'll give it credit for that, but that, that is only going to go so far. So (laughs) basically uh, you have them doing research on these children. We find out in the opening of the movie that Christopher Lloyd has some secret lab and Kathleen Turner runs this company called Baby Co. And they have an amusement park for some reason with a giant baby, like an animatronic baby and a dinosaur. And it's the biggest amusement park inside ever for some reason. Yeah. And then for some reason, they have like a secret lab where they're trying to unlock the superior minds of these genius babies who apparently have like their own language they can talk to each other and like they might know the secrets of the universe and they're studying their brains and the limbic activity and all this stuff and again asking who is this movie for because it goes into like some pseudo-scientific like explanations of all this stuff that all this research they're doing on these babies and I'm just like, what like six-year-old or 10-year-old is watching this and enjoying this or like wanting this at all? But then all that is mixed with like these hijinks with the babies. They, you know, one of them, the main baby named Sly, is escaping from the secret lab for some reason because he doesn't want to be there. But he has a twin brother that he doesn't know about. Twin brother gets mistaken for him. And he's like, not a super baby. But wait, he is a super baby because all babies have like this superior knowledge. And then when they turn two, they cross over, quote unquote, and become stupid because adults are just, you know, stupid, mindless (laughs) creatures (laughs) like subhuman, you know, sub baby. Right. They've lost that ancient knowledge. (laughs) Yeah. The ancient knowledge has been lost. So I don't know if that explains anything about this movie, but uh, (laughs) yeah, I guess fire away because I probably did a horrible job. Now this movie's going to be stuck in my brain forever. No, that's about right. Kathleen Turner Kathleen Turner, who I adored from Body Heat and Romancing the Stone and Jewel of the Nile, who probably kickstarted my puberty. <laughs> and it's still going on, as you can hear by my voice crack. Right. I was uh, like, your, did your voice just crack when you said that? That's how much uh, she had an effect on me. She's bringing you back. Yeah, I can't even say her name without my voice cracking. <laughs> That's awesome. She plays Dr. Elena Kinder here. Kinder, children. She's the one that's obsessed with unlocking the secrets in these babies. And the whole thing is baby Sylvester and they use triplets for these movies to play these twins. And they basically use CGI on their mouths. Can we talk about the CGI in this movie? (laughs) Apparently they wanted to make this for a while and they're like, the technology is not there yet. 
And then they saw Babe and thought, oh, we're getting there. If pigs can talk, why can't babies talk? And then oh, man. we got this movie with these babies doing this horrible lip sync. That really reminds me of like a bad anime dub. Because right. some of the things they say don't even make sense. And it's not even like it's baby talk. It's like, why did no. they make them use these sentences and these words together? You know why? I feel like I don't even know if they even use CGI in some of those scenes. There's definitely some terrible CGI where they try and superimpose like the baby head on what you can tell is just like a an adult man in like really big clothes <laughs> doing like the disco dance. Like that scene especially stands out where it's like the head looks all like kind of fuzzy and washed out and the body is obviously like a human adult's body. But with the lip syncing, I almost feel like they must have just sat around and filmed these like these six year olds that are trying to pass for babies, just like talk and move their mouths. And then they dubbed over them to like fit the mouth with whatever dialogue they could come up with to match. I think you're right. That's what it feels like. I don't know if that's true, but that's what it feels like. I put money down that that's what happened. (laughs) I would put it down with you. I would put uh, I'd put it all in black if that option was black or red or whatever color you have on your roulette wheel. Well, guess what? This this uh, amusement park was what in the uh, Las Vegas casino, the Circus Circus. There so you, there go. you go. Little little trivia fact for you. That's like just a bunch of nonsense. This whole like theme park thing is a bunch of nonsense. Right. Like, why is that in this movie? Why why does Baby Co. have an amusement park with a giant creepy baby? Which, you know, at some point, uh, Kim Cattrall is like talking to Peter McNichol when they see the giant baby and they're like, oh, she stole your illustration. Like Kathleen Turner, you know, the head of this corporation, she's stealing all your ideas. And this is like her evil aunt that she gets hives every time she sees her. She's like, she stole your idea for the That looks just like your kid's book illustration. I'm like, dear Lord, if that's what your kid's book illustration looks like, Bert, you need to burn that freaking book because that <laughs> child looks like a giant monster. I don't know. Just like the most like grotesque looking baby. <laughs> it looks like the New Orleans baby cakes mascot. I don't know if you've seen this before. It's a purposely terrifying baby mascot that we have in New Orleans. It looks like it's melting or something. Yeah, it looks horrible. <laughs> and it talks in a scary baby voice, like really deep and scary and terrifying. <laughs> right. Would you like a hug? Like who? Who wants that? What child <laughs> is going to go to an amusement park and want a giant baby to pick you up and then burp? And everyone's like, oh, that's so funny. (laughs) It's terrifying. I feel like that's just a metaphor for this movie. Like, they made this movie. They tried so, they tried to land so many jokes like that. But it's like, who does this? (laughs) Who is this for? Just like that amusement park. Apparently, John's little brother and little sister. Yeah. They got that demographic somehow, whatever age range they were in when this came out. I don't know. They had problems, man. (laughs) (laughs) Not pointing fingers or anything, but if those kids like this movie, what was going on in that household? Now, (laughs) the crazy thing with this movie, too, is at the heart of it, like under all that nonsense... The simple plot of, like, basically this kid busts out. I don't know why the baby has super strength. They never explain that. There's not, like, some super serum that gives the kid super karate powers. <laughs> like, if the kid knows karate, that's one thing. But for, like, a 12-pound toddler to, like, kick grown men and cause them to fly through the air 
that's not physically possible, and I did not understand how it was possible in this film. That's the first scene, and I was like, okay, are we going to go back and see how they're doing some sort of tests on these babies, like making them super-powered? But no, it was just like, oh, well, these are just special babies. (laughs) Like, okay. They're just special. But then you find out all the babies are special, and then it makes it make even less sense. Right. Like, what was the Kinder Method doing? Was it unlocking their potential or like making them the super geniuses that they are like i just i still don't understand i don't know if anyone does and the crazy thing is (laughs) underneath all this it's just a twins getting mixed up plot right because right the, the other twin that's not there the kinder institute Whenever Baby Sly busts out and the two babies meet, the thugs of the Kinder Institute come and they take the wrong baby. And you get like (laughs) a lot of kids movies from the 90s. You get people either getting switched up by accident or like Mm -hmm. having to go on some road trip to find someone and save someone. Right. Got all the tropes. Right. But that's buried under so much diaper gravy. It's like that's not even there. (laughs) Like they don't even really do anything with that. I'm glad that you brought back the diaper gravy. (laughs) And... Okay, so to yeah, we try to be positive here, and I feel like we've been negative this whole time. So I'm gonna try and find some good in this movie, or or at least a moment that I enjoyed. So we've talked before about my love for raising Arizona, and one of my uh, bonus episode movies was Stone Cold, which is uh, just an awesome action movie from the early '90s that you should watch. But Sam McMurray is in this movie as Goon Bob, and he's in both of those movies. He's in Stone Cold and Raising Arizona. I I mean, he's probably most recognized as like the brother-in-law, I believe, in Raising Arizona, who's like got all the kids and he's really annoying. And uh, Nick Cage just just hates his character. I think he ends up punching him in the face and giving him a broken nose or a black (laughs) eye. But uh, Sam McMurray plays one of the goons here, and he's the goon, if you remember, where he's going up the stairs and the baby slides at the top with like a ski on the stairs. And Sam McMurray, I feel like he's just got like amidst all the like really terrible, not funny jokes in this movie and the bad like comedic timing and everything. Like there's something about him and his presence that is always like really charming and funny to me just the way he carries himself the way he delivers the lines but he's going up these stairs and he's like i guess you expect me to step over this ski and then you'll jump on the end and then the end will jump up and hit me in the gonads and i'll scream and make a funny face and fall down the stairs is that right because yeah. i'm just going to step around this ski just how stupid do you think i am but then of course he does get faked out by the baby he ends up stepping over the ski, and yes, he gets the ski popped up into his gonads. And the face that he makes is actually like really funny, and the noise, he's just like, Ugh. and you know, it's just childish, stupid humor. But I, uh, I really thought that was like one part that I kind of laughed out loud <laughs> and, and thought was amusing, at least because I like that actor so much, most likely. But you know what, Nick? That might be like one moment where I was slightly amused. And just like the diaper gravy, they had to go and do it again. And I almost feel like maybe he ad-libbed that line and the way he delivered it was like kind of, I don't know, idiosyncratic and unique. And they were like, 
oh, we got to do that again because that was really good. So like they send another goon in and he he says the exact same line with like half as much charisma and the same thing happens to him. And it's just like, why did y'all just repeat that joke and do this again to like less results? I feel like, again, that's just like a, a summation of the movie in itself there. It's just like, oh, man, you're trying too hard. You know, like you just don't know when to stop and you don't actually know what is funny, but you're trying to make a comedy movie out of this crap. But Jordan, what if we're going about this all wrong? What if I could explain this film to you and its complexities quite easily, Jordan? Do it. 1999's Baby Geniuses is based upon and inspired by Descartian innateism, a philosophical train of thought (laughs) that believes that God or a similar being or process placed innate ideas and principles in the human mind. Plato, yes, that Plato, argues that if there are certain (laughs) concepts that we know to be true but did not learn from experience, then it must be because we must have an innate knowledge of them and that this knowledge must have been gained before birth. Guess what? The Wunderkind protagonist of Baby Geniuses are a cinematic representation of this philosophy innateism, and Dr. Elena Kinder and Dr. Heap are its disciples. However, these young Einsteinian messiahs reject the very disciples who worship them, paraphrasing the 1987 Stanley Kubrick film Full Metal Jacket as they chant, I don't know what I've been told, Eskimo girls are mighty cold. Dr. Kinder... <laughs> is a son of a gun, got cooties, and she weighs a ton. One, two, three, four. One, two, <laughs> three, four. Which places baby geniuses firmly in the realm of tragedy. The great waters of the baby's knowledge only serving to drown those who believe in them. Spider gods who cannot be understood by the mere mortals whose exploitation of them is simply a clumsy grasp to understand that which they venerate. Either that or this baby movie is so bad it just defies explanation it can only be one of those two things did you say spider gods <laughs> yeah the babies <laughs> spider gods yeah they they can't be understood it's like you look up at it and it makes no sense to you it's just this horrible horrific thing that you can't comprehend and that just seems like it's punishing you and hurting you that's that's what these babies are to dr kinder and dr heap who are their disciples they just want to learn from the babies but the babies just punish them is that like a lovecraftian term i'm not familiar with <laughs> spider gods uh I first heard that from uh, Ingmar Bergman. <laughs> ah, okay. The spider trilogy or, you know, <laughs> I know he's got a movie with a spider on it, at least. Right. Winterlight is in that trilogy, and I'm sure that the makers of Baby Genius have studied those films by Ingmar Bergman to a yes. T every second, again and again, through a glass darkly, again and again and again to get and these again. babies just right. Right. I mean, that's parent, you know, the influence of Bergman right. as a parent. That's why the first cut was in black and white. <laughs> and it was just the baby, like, putting a hand on a screen and looking in a mirror. That's right. <laughs> staring deeply <laughs> into a room. Well, I do like how you bring up the nativism and the philosophy there of, like, what the movie brings to the table as far as, you know, there's this deep knowledge that you have from birth that's just innately that you're born with that you lose at some point. You lose that ancient language as you grow, uh, you know, and there's like some 
hidden mystery of the universe like locked in the human brain. I think all that is actually interesting and again I give the movie props for like a kids movie from the 90s any props for like going there and bringing that kind of stuff to the table but it's just so sloppily and stupidly executed that anything good it has going for or unique that it has going for it it just falls so flat I can't say it's like a disappointment like oh this could have been good like I I will say I watched the first few seconds of this thinking maybe this will be at least amusing or like entertaining in a 90s kid movie throwback sort of way but uh, I think by the third time they mentioned diaper gravy I was just out I was just like oh god and then the CGI like green screen effects or whatever they had going on with the, the baby faces on the bodies doing things that babies can't do <laughs> I don't know I just I, I couldn't go for it man uh, and just to give my star rating here, I don't know if I've gone this low on any film on this podcast, but I'm giving it a half star. I'm giving it 0.5 out of 5. Jordan, I have to take umbrage with you right now. And it's not for that score. It's because you said nativism. Jordan, nativists hold that innate beliefs are in some way genetically programmed in our mind. And I am saying this film exist on a spiritual plane where the secrets oh. these babies learn were spiritually these aren't right. things That's, okay, that yeah, are genetically programmed so nativism I, is a modern view rooted in innateism jordan but it's not quite innateism but close okay. very close they're almost synonymous very close there i just have to draw the line i got my philosophies mixed up m- mr college i'm sorry <laughs> Yeah, I give this a 0 out of 10. It's god-awful. It's nice. one of the worst movies I've ever seen. If Super Babies is worse than this, I don't ever even want to see one single second of that film. Because this was so bad. If I did have to say one real thing about it that I think was good, it's the score by Paul Zaza, which... We're kind of joking about the guy's name, but he scored like all the other Clark movies. Like he did the score for A Christmas Story, which is really iconic. I I know almost every note of that score. And there are some dumb like babies walking, do 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 xylophone like sounds in right. here. But <laughs> the scene at the end of the movie where the two twins reunite, he plays like this really beautiful symphonic piece that if this movie wasn't totally incompetent and awful and like a sin against the very art of film, that moment would hit like even in just a mediocre, terrible children's movie. Is that when the one baby like reaches up into the air and the other one like sees him on the TV and touches his hand to the TV? I'm thinking about when they finally do meet at the end and I think they do put their hands together and this beautiful little piece of music plays. It's just gorgeous, but it's like this movie is so bad that this beautiful music makes this moment even worse. Like again, if it was just a merely incompetent, mediocre film, then that music would have elevated it. But because this movie is just about as bad as a movie can be, it makes it worse. (laughs) The score which by the way it does not like exist in like a purchasable forum or like a downloadable forum i'm gonna have to make you a cassette man i'm just gonna i'm just gonna go and like record some of the score off of the actual movie just piece it together for you (laughs) and you know i know you need this in your collection right right even though we gave our scores already but since i was talking about kathleen turner my voice cracked earlier i also have to say (laughs) this so kim cattrall in this movie 
for me, she kind of has a similar spot as Kathleen Turner. Like, I mean, Porky's, um, you know, if you know what Porky's is, Kim Cattrall is in that. Uh, there's a lot right. of Kim Cattrall in that movie. Uh, right. You know, she's like the most sexy Vulcan ever in Star Trek Six: The Undiscovered Country, which we covered a few years ago. For sure. She was in that iconic Samantha role in Sex in the City. And is it just me or is she just like weirdly sexy in this movie? And like, it's not her <laughs> fault, but it just feels out of place. Like she's like coming, like bouncing down the stairs or like wearing like tight fitting, like fitted pants and walking around the kitchen and the camera is like not cutting. And whenever she's walking in front of it, I was like, this feels weird. <laughs> I feel weird. Watch to talk about who is this movie for again? There's an odd scene where Peter McNichol is like kissing all over her and is like, let's make another baby. And she's like, oh no, we can't afford it. And then at one point he's like, guess what? Not a creature was stirring all through the house. Not a toddler, not a mouse. And then they run up the stairs like, oh, we're going to run off and have sex now because, you know, all the kids are asleep. And it's just the way they like kind of giddily run up the stairs. But then also you're just like, wait, I'm watching a kid's movie. Uh, it's just like, oh, it's just so weird. Isn't it like an incredible, Incredibly horny moment. Right. Maybe, like, again, if there was, like, a different actress in the role, like, it wouldn't have seemed quite as horny. But it's just, like, Kim Cattrall being there and just thinking about other things that she's in to where, like, my mind is associating those things with her. It was, like, too kinky. It was too kinky for this movie. (laughs) But then again, like, this movie is so bad, like, it doesn't matter. They could have had a full-on sex scene, you know? Who cares? Like, again, like you said, (laughs) who is this movie for? Right. It could be like rated R with all the rest of the content in it. It's just an explicit sexy there. It would it would still be a zero out of ten movie. I want to see the rated R cut. It's got to be out there. <laughs> Bob Clark really knew what he was doing, and the studio just trashed his work of art and made it into this piece of crap. <sighs> Those bastards ruin everything. We shouldn't lose faith in Bob Clark so easily. But no, I I mean, you're right. It could have just cut away to a sex scene. And it was like, okay, whatever. Because, I mean, even from the very beginning, they're saying like, damn and damn it and ass. And and I think bitch at one point, I was just surprised to hear all this. I was like, wait, I thought I was getting into just like a straight up G rated like baby kids movie, you know? And it's just like, wait. This plot is really complex and confusing. They're throwing around, you know, some mild swear words and got all this horniness going on. It's like, what is this movie? <laughs> got this giant creepy baby. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. But maybe it's just time to move on. Maybe we need to purge our minds from baby geniuses and just, you know, let it to rest. Right. And I'm bummed out because I had the best movie connection for this to our previous movie, The Cutting Edge, because I usually forget to do it. And it was one of the best ones I've come up with, but I forgot to write it down. And (laughs) (laughs) I can't remember it now. Baby Genius's badness has made me even forget what the connection to The Cutting Edge was. I got one for you. What you got? Wasn't there a giant baby in The Cutting Edge? Um, What was her name? Oh, yeah. Maura Kelly. Oh, shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Don't you diss Moira. Her character was a giant baby, but, you know, much better looking than the one in this movie. Yeah, that one in this movie was terrifying. Holy cow. (laughs) Holy cow. Like, what kid's not going to be traumatized by that thing? Like, melted frosting uh, baby. I don't know what that thing was. (laughs) Uh, Speaking of melted frosting, I guess it's time for the trivia battle. Hold it! Ah! Pop quiz, hot shot. 
<laughs> what kind of segue was that? <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> It's the Baby Geniuses episode. Does anything need to make sense? Speaking of giant dinosaur amusement parks. (laughs) (laughs) Trivia. My questions here are going to, you know, since you didn't watch Super Babies, because you couldn't, and you didn't watch any of the other Baby Genius movies, all my questions are going to be about, well, basically, I'm going to give you some titles of baby geniuses movies and you're gonna tell me are these real or are they fake (laughs) so true or false that's awesome first movie title is this a real baby genius movie or is this not baby geniuses and the mystery of the crown jewels gosh the crown jewels seems kind of sophisticated for like a baby geniuses movie i think i'm gonna say false Nope, that's a real direct-to-video sequel, my friend. Damn. All right. Well, look, I don't believe in award shows, and I don't believe in the Golden Raspberries especially. However, since Super Baby's Baby Geniuses 2 took home that award in 2005, my questions all revolve around the directors of the other nominees that year for Words Picture. And I think these questions are all easy, but two of them. And I'll start off with the one that I think is the easiest. Here we go. White Chicks is incredible cinema, and its inclusion here is proof that the Golden Raspberries are a lackluster organization. Who directed White Chicks? Was it A, Damon Wayans, B, Keenan Ivory Wayans, C, Marlon and Sean Wayans, or D, Tim Meadows? Is it Marlon and Sean? No, it's Keenan Ivory, man. Ah, man. I thought it was like the two of them together, but yeah. They star in it, but it, you, you got to get directions from the patriarch of the family, man. Uh, Keen and Ivory. Mabe. All right. Next movie title. Is this real or is this fake? Baby Geniuses and the Treasure of Egypt. That feels real. That feels like that would be a real Baby Geniuses movie. Is that real? That is real. Yes. Baby dumbasses. <laughs> All right, what's your next question? All right. Alexander did manage to make me fall asleep. I don't know if it's one of the worst movies from that year, but I definitely have never made it all the way through it. Who directed that movie? Was it A, Colin Farrell? B, Ridley Scott? And I wrote his name as Ridley Scott. I just need to tell you that. I don't know why I wrote Ridley Scott instead of Ridley (laughs) Scott, but I'll start over. Colin Farrell, Ridley Scott, Oliver Stone, or Wolfgang Peterson? Oliver Stone. Correct, Amundo. All right. All tied up. Next question. True or fake? Baby Geniuses and the Space Baby. <laughs> the Space Baby? <laughs> I think I'm just going to guess true for all of these. Is there a Space Baby? That is true. Yes. These are all These are all true. <laughs> All right, since your life is on the line, I'm going to ask my favorite question instead of the hardest question. Okay. All right. I'm still not sure if the movie Catwoman is even real. Have you seen it? Do you know anyone who's seen it? With Halle Berry? Yes. I have not seen it. (laughs) I don't think it's a real movie. I think that it's a figment of our collective imagination. I think they just made the cover... I definitely have seen the cover of Catwoman with her in the cat suit, but I'm pretty sure they just made the cover of the movie and were like, oh, no one's going to watch this. <laughs> That's all. All we need to do is make a cover. 
<laughs> Maybe a trailer, you know. Since there was a cover, they had to put a director on that cover, and that director only had one name. Jordan, which of these names is the name of the supposed director of the supposed Catwoman? Was that Topal, Pitoff, Siobhan, or Marcel? Oh, uh, was it Topal? No, it was Pitoff. Pitoff. What the hell is Pitoff? That's just proof that that movie doesn't exist. <laughs> How is this a real person? You want to know what else Pitoff did besides what? Catwoman? Pitoff is a retired French visual effects supervisor. He also did Vidoc, which is a 2001 mystery film starring Gerard Depardieu as historical oh. figure Eugene Francois Vidoc, who is pursuing a supernatural, 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 supernatural serial killer. Yeah. So I think I just won. I think you did. Because uh, I'm out of questions, too, because I'm out of baby genius movie titles. <laughs> so they were all real. They were all real. Oh, man. Uh, uh, you know I would have made up some fake ones. Yep. I was trying to think of some fake ones on the fly. I'm looking around my office. I'm like, baby geniuses and the cricket supplies? Baby geniuses and the workflow <laughs> invoices? Well, if you said, and the diaper gravy, I mean, I wouldn't Ooh. have known if that was true or false. Baby geniuses in the diaper gravy starring Christopher Lloyd as the as the baby. <laughs> oh, well, it's that time of year again. We're coming up on March by the time that you hear this episode, which means our next episode is our yearly St. Patrick's Day episode. And you may be thinking, man, I love you guys so much. You're the best. But the last few movies you covered, I didn't really know a lot about. And while I'll always listen to Film Shake... Could you please talk about a movie that I'm well-versed in this time? Well, we're going to do that. Our next episode is a request by, I guess I should say my favorite patron, because it's my mother. She requested The Fugitive, starring Harrison Ford. It's been too long since I've watched it. It's another 1993 film, just like uh, pre-hysteria, except way awesomer. Hopefully. <laughs> I don't know. What if I, I watch it this time? I'm like, wait, this sucks. I mean, there's You're no gonna way. You're going to love it. But... It's a great film. I just watched it like, what? Six months ago or something. Oh, sweet. Working as a St. Patrick's Day film because it has that famous sequence. There's a chase scene on St. Patrick's Day during the parade, which as a kid watching this movie, the fact that they dye the river in Chicago green for St. Patrick's Day totally blew my mind. It still blows my mind. I'd love to be down there for St. Patrick's Day at some point. I don't know if this will be as good as uh, you know, our Leprechaun movies, <laughs> Lost in Space, but I'm willing to give it a shot. Speaking of that. Speaking of. We have to follow <laughs> tradition here, too. <laughs> Another Leprechaun movie? We have to tie a Leprechaun movie up to this. And it makes yep. no sense for us to, <laughs> to punish one of us with the first Leprechaun movie, because... That's maybe a classic. I don't know. Maybe Which it's I not. still have not seen. <laughs> right? I've seen Leprechaun 4. I've seen <laughs> Leprechaun in the Hood. What am I going to watch now? Yeah, exactly. We shouldn't go in any kind of order here. The only thing that makes sense is if the punishment movie for the next episode is Leprechaun 2. <laughs> all right. I'll do it. I'll just watch all these in reverse order. I'm going to watch it too. I can't resist. I have to watch it. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening. Next time, Leprechaun 2 and The Fugitive. A perfect pair. <laughs> we'll be talking about The Fugitive far more. I promise. <laughs>
I don't know about that. Come on. <laughs> I forgot too. He's got some surprises, I'm sure. <laughs> was Warwick Davis in Baby Geniuses? Was he one of the babies? Man, the movie would have been so much better. It would have. Throw the leprechaun into Baby Geniuses, where he's still doing the same things the leprechaun usually does. Murdering the babies? I don't know. <laughs> Trying to have sex with Kim Cattrall, probably. <laughs> yep, up to no good. Can do no good, as we learned can from no Leprechaun of the Hood. Right. Well, that's our show for today, guys. Uh, you can reach out to us on social media at 90s Movies Pod. You can email us at filmshakepodcast at gmail.com. And thank you again to Maddie Ross and all our patrons who are supporting us over at patreon.com slash filmshake. If you want to get bonus episodes and other content, you can subscribe there. So check it out. And we'll catch you next time for more Film Shake. Take it easy. Gnarly. All right. All right. I'm looking forward to whatever your intro is going to be on this. Well, warm up your diaper gravy. Uh